Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. Last Saturday, I was hanging our outdoor lights, remembering the Christmas story as the shadows were were drawing long and the, the light was fading. And I was being reminded that Life without God, as we attempt to live life without God, it's a dark, cold, really hopeless existence, isn't it? And there are moments even as followers of Christ that that we feel the drift and and distant from Him. But can you imagine um, life without Him? But then I love the way the Christmas story happens with the backdrop of darkness where Matthew says, but the people living in darkness in the shadow of death have seen a great light. And then how Luke writes in uh, Luke chapter 2, as the angel lights, angels show up, light up the night sky, and they say to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is. Christ the Lord. And so as a family, we've begun a tradition where after I get those lights hung up outside, we, there's a bush in our backyard that I just, like, okay, I can't decorate every tree, but I'm going to deck this tree up with everything I've got. So I just cover that bush with, with a ton of lights, and it's a blaze of glory once it's lit up. And so I call the family out to the back porch, and we rehearse where we're at. We remind each other, yes, it's dark down here. Everybody see the darkness? Yep, it's dark down here. And it's cold down here. It's cold. But there was a day, there was a night long ago when a baby was born. And he would grow up to say, I am the light of the world. And then he would look at those of us who follow him and he would say, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Our hope is found in him. And he's given us this hope to share with those around us. Everybody agree that? And the family all says, amen. And then we say, all right, then let's light up the night. And I grab that cord, and I stick it in the wall, and poof, the backyard explodes with glory. We sing one line of joy to the world at the top of our lungs, and then we go inside, drink eggnog, toast to our king, hit the couch for a Christmas movie. That's our family tradition. Well, as a faith family, our tradition is to gather this month of December, and this month is going to be a little unique in that we are going to... the. the The phrase that we're going to just soak in is, we are going to journey into the mess. Into the mess. Each week we'll gather in this place to do two things. One, remember that God, he came into our mess, and then we will be equipped to go into the mess as we follow him. And so, excited for for the worship, hopefully our hearts will be just stirred to worship as we remember what Christ did for us. But then also that we will be equipped to practically go out and go into the mess around us where there is darkness, where, where, uh, where God is not, and to be his light in that place. And so today we, we intro the series. We're going to lay a framework, and this, the, the way we'll do it is we'll look at this phrase, into the mess, in three phases. And the first is, is the first phase is into the mess. This is our story. We see this in 1 John chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 9. This is 
a section of scripture where John is challenging us as, as followers of Christ to live a life of love. And he says this, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. Notice the, the initiating. He sent, he sent his son, his one and only son, a precious gift into, and we could sub in there when it says into the world, into our mess. A world that was really running from him. And then listen to what it says, that we might live through him. So when God goes to explain his love for us, how does he do it? And here in John, he says, okay, watch this. This is what love looks like. Love, the love of God demonstrated is this. It's a love that is moving into the mess, into brokenness, into really those who are enemies of his. It's a love that makes the first move. It's an initiating love. It's a love that sends what is precious. It's a love that gives his, John says, his one and only son. As we watch Jesus come and live out his life, we see him going into the mess, living this way, this life of love, again and again and again. I thought of the story of Zacchaeus. Remember, he goes to this town busy, and he looks up at this guy in a tree and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming home to have dinner with you. Why would, of all the people he could have dinner with, spend time with, why does he hang out with a guy who's pretty much a mess, toxic, like greed-infested soul? He's a thief. Why would Jesus go and be with him? And they ask him that question. Why, why are you doing this? And Jesus said, remember Luke 19, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's why he came into the mess. But what did he come to bring us? And I love the way John says it that we might live through him. Today, as we begin this celebration of, of Christ becoming human, coming into our mess, what was his purpose? And it was to lead us into life. We immediately say, okay, what, what kind of life is he talking about? And we know as the story plays out, it's life that God created, it's the life God created us to enjoy with him. Life apart from God is, is dark, and you could describe it as disintegrating. Our relationships are, are unraveling, peace, joy, all those things fading, but life with Christ, the life he came to lead us into is life at its very best. We've, this year we're calling it the blessed life. It's a life lived in surrender to him, a life lived in communion with our Father where we want his will um, as, as the very, uh, it's the heartbeat of our, our soul, with pure love and pure devotion. And so right here is a good place just to hit pause and to, uh, to thank God for the life that he's given us in Christ. Those of you who have followed, been following Christ and just think about what a gift he's given us. As I was away last week, I was reminded that the busyness of life can sometimes distract us and even cause us to, to drift from the Lord. And, and he's given us his word to to recenter. And there was a verse that God used in my heart that week that I share with you now. It's Psalm 16, verse 11, that captures the essence of the life that God's given us. And it's this. He says, um, you make known to me the path of life. Isn't that a, a great picture of life with Christ, where he, through his word, shows us 
He puts a light on the path that leads to life at its best. Aren't you thankful for that? What Christ has given us, making us, making known the path of life. But then he says, and you fill me with joy in your presence. The best moments of life, the greatest gift this life has, the, the great joy of life is the presence of God, isn't it? As we enjoy what he's given us with him. But then he says, and with eternal pleasures um, at your right hand. I just love the reality that God gives us the joy of his presence today, but, but what he's given us in Christ, it's eternal. And to celebrate that and to rest in that. And, but he goes on in this passage in, in, a, in a 1 John chapter 4 to verse 10, and he takes it one step further as we think about he came into our mess. This is our story. He says, this is love. Not that we loved God, not that we had anything to offer him or were deserving of his love, but that he loved us. And then he says it again. I think it's significant. He says, he sent his son. He came into our mess as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When Jesus came to earth and was born a baby in Bethlehem, what was his singular aim, really? What was his purpose? As I read this text, it was a reminder to me, he had one aim. Why did God, as Jesus came, second person of the Trinity, fully God, but he wrapped himself in humanity, became fully man, what was his purpose for taking on humanity? Like, why did he come? Why was he born as a baby, grew up experiencing human life. What was the purpose? And it's summed up in this phrase, as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. He came to die for you and for me, for me, for our sin. He came to be a sacrifice for our sins. And we gather this morning as a faith family because he did what he came to do. He lived a perfect life. He surrendered to the will of God perfectly. And when it came to the point of death and, and answering his call to, to suffer in our place, to become our substitute, to pay the debt that we could not pay, that we owed to God for the wrong that we did, he did it. He took our sin to the cross, died, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead and offers eternal life to everyone who will call on him in faith. And this is the good news. He came into our mess to offer us life at its very best. This is our story. This Christmas season, I, I hope and pray that as we gather and as we go throughout our days, that we'll just remember this little phrase will just cause, it, cause us to think again. Father, you came into my mess. Jesus, you came into my mess to give me the joy of walking with you today and experiencing eternal pleasure at your right hand, something I did not deserve. And it came at a great cost, the cost of your life, the life of, of Jesus. And so the first phase of this, this thought is, okay, into the mess. God came into our mess to give us life at our very best. And our response is joyful worship. The second phase is into the mess. This is our calling. He moves, John moves pivots here in verse 11 as he says, dear friends, or literally other translations, you, you, you may we'll have this it's beloved or dearly loved people based on this identity that we have being loved he says 
Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Since God so loved us, since God loved us like this, we ought to love one another like this. Like what? And what did he just describe? A love that sent what was precious to sacrifice for the good of people who were really his enemies at the time. And then he looks, looks at us and says, okay, now you, this is, this is what I'm calling you to as followers of Jesus Christ. What's the purpose of your life and of my life as we're reborn in Christ? When we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we receive all the, the, the blessing that he's given us, what's our purpose? It's really this, isn't it? To go into the mess to share his love with those who are hurting and so the context to think about, and when I, we say mess, the idea today is, the big picture of mess is anywhere evil is winning the day in someone's life or circumstance or culture or whatever. So as you survey your realm of influence, where's the mess? Where's the person, perhaps the person that, that is hurting you? Their evil is the absence of God. Where, where is someone treating you, you know, in a way that's wrong? As you look out and see maybe someone filled with despair or struggling with hope, listening to the lies of the enemy, following his path and their life's a wreck, that's the mess. And the calling of God is to go into the mess to share his redemptive love and to be his, his redemptive presence. So I don't know about you, but when I think about the mess and going into the mess, I have the little flinch that... Uh, this could get, this could be messy, right? I mean, there is a cost that comes with this. It's the same feeling I get when I think about Jesus saying to us, take up your cross and follow me. It's really a, an invitation to death, death to self, but, but to encounter evil or, or to uh, engage, take the light to the darkness. And we do live on a, in a battle, a very real battle, where there is evil, and evil does not give up ground without a fight, without resistance. And so there's a, a tendency, especially even after we've gone into the mess over time and experienced the challenges of it, to sidestep the mess. That's really one of our biggest threats as followers of Christ, that, that we would start to coast and not enter the mess to share his love. So how do we sidestep this threat of avoiding the mess? And what's neat is, of all the people, God uses Peter to help us understand this is our calling, but also equip us with a mindset to take. First, we'll, we'll look at Peter reminding us this is our calling. And what's, what's ironic is Peter was the guy when he, Jesus was going into the mess for us to the cross. How did Peter fight going to the mess or the presence of evil? He grabs his sword and goes to cut, cut off the guy's, the servant's ear. But Jesus shows him a much more powerful way. And here Peter, post-resurrection, gets it and points us to, to a weapon that's much more powerful and fleshes out what's it look like to go into the mess as, as our calling. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 9. Peter says this, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, and here it is, repay evil. So when we're going into the mess, when we're experiencing evil or stepping into a situation, 
that is, is marked by the absence of God. He says, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you might inherit a blessing. And then he points to a timeless truth written in Scripture that uh, he says this, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. Paul said it this way in Romans 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. To bless someone is really love in motion, doing them good. And so it's this picture of, of repaying evil with good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Why? For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And then Peter goes on and moves really into a common sense uh, idea here as he says, who is going to harm you for if you are eager to do good? And the word eager is literally zealous to do good. If it's your passion to do good to those around you, who's going to harm a, a person like that? 99% of the people, even people who don't know God, won't do that. But he goes on and says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are still blessed. We say, well, how are we still blessed if we suffer for doing what's right? It's back up to verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on those who are righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. And so the calling of God, once again, we're reminded this is our calling, Peter says. When evil comes our way or when we step into the mess, our role is to, to go ready to bless so that we will inherit a blessing. And so the question becomes, how do we not sidestep the mess in light of the, uh, the messiness of it? And Peter goes on in this text and gives us the mindset to follow. It's found in verses, the second part of verse 14 and 15. He says, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and with respect. And so here the, God gives us a mindset through Peter as we move toward the mess. So the three phases, one, into the mess, this is our story. Into the mess, this is our calling. Into the mess, this is our mindset, which is this, first Refuse to be afraid. He says it two ways. Do not fear their threats. And then the general, um, do not be frightened. What's the enemy's number one weapon against us? Again and again, we see it in Scripture. It's fear. And God calls us, don't be afraid. So as we set out to go into the mess, the first step is refuse to fear. The second action step is revere Christ as Lord. I love the way he, uh, how can we not be afraid when we go into the mess? It's because Christ is Lord, meaning he is sovereign. He is in control. I love this picture. As we step into the mess, we go with his authority, but also the promise of his presence, don't we? There's nothing to fear as we walk with him. One of the, uh, this doesn't mean that we don't avoid, or that we don't take wise counsel as we deal with situations that are marked by evil, the absence of God, but it does mean that as we go, we go revering Christ as Lord, knowing he's in control with no fear. And then the third action step, which really brings us full circle to our, our focus this year of bless and being a blessing, 
It's in the midst of the mess that we have opportunity to share our hope. And the third action step is uh, Peter saying, ready yourself to share your, the story of hope, the reason for the hope that you have in Christ. This is living ready to, uh, as the opportunity arises and someone says, how, how can you live with that kind of hope? To share the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and just to lift up the name of Christ and, and to point to him. So the question today is really to ask ourselves, as we look out over our life, Where's the mess? Where is evil winning the day in someone's life? And then when we sense the Lord putting a spotlight, putting a light on an opportunity to, to bring help, to share the, the, uh, the redemptive love of Christ with someone, that we move toward the mess, into the mess, understanding, remembering he came into our mess. He's called us to move toward the mess and we have been equipped with this mindset, no fear, revering Christ as Lord and living ready to, to share this story of hope. So the, uh, today we have a special guest with us, and it's neat how the Lord just puts it all together. Every once in a while you just see his sovereign hand in providing for us, and this year as we were Several months ago, we're in the midst of our series, the series Go Bless, and thinking about what he's calling us to, I heard a story, or a, a fellow sh share his story, Danny Marquez, with our, at Rotary, where um, really capturing the essence of what God calls us to, and it was really neat for him to share that in that context and, and what God was calling him to, but I thought, oh, this is a story as a church family we need to hear because it's a powerful example, an inspiring example, and hopefully an example, or I know at least for me it sticks and really helps me understand what it looks like to go into the mess, to be a blessing, to share the, the re redemptive love of Christ. And so appreciate Danny coming as well as um, his executive director, Allie. Danny works for Youth for Christ here in Indy, and so you welcome him as he comes to share with us. Good morning. I am so excited to be here this morning. Praise God for Pastor John and the rest of the leadership here has allowed me to come in and share a little bit of my story. He's talking about the mess. And I tell you what, I often think about a young man. His name is Dustin. Dustin, when I first met him uh, down on the near west side of Indianapolis, he was a mess. Make no mistake about it. Uh, when I encounter him for the first time, he's talking at me with cuss words and all kinds of, um, you know, looks and this kind of thing. We invited him to one of our clubs, and I learned a little bit about his story. And I learned that he was not doing too well in school and that he constantly had a bad attitude. He was full of pride and all kinds of things like this. And um, the Lord allowed for us to dig a little bit deeper. And as we started to build a relationship, I began sharing my story with him. He began sharing, going deeper into his story with me. And I learned that a lot of his behaviors was the result of a father not being present in his life. You know, and I could so identify with Dustin and, and, and his life and a lot of the bad decisions that he made. You know, um, my father did not only abandon me, but my mother abandoned me as well. I was literally left at a doorstep. My mom ended up in Norway. My dad, he was on drugs. 
the story goes, and he ended up dying of AIDS, and that's the most that I knew about my father. And so I grew up in a home that wasn't my own. I grew up in a home where, you know, my mom, she loved on me, and she did the very best that she could to point me towards success. But there was a void in my heart, and that void needed to be filled, and I tried to find that love in all the wrong places. Just to make a long story short, I ended up making the streets my home after a series of bad decisions. You know, I ended up facing 45 years of my life in prison. That's right. 45 years of my life in prison. And I'll never forget the time I'm sitting in Nassau County Correctional Facility. I'm, I'm you know, in that self, uh, just 18-hour lockdown and, you know, just inmates are all around me, and I remember getting on my knees and remembering the God that my mother tried to teach me about growing up. See, a series of bad decisions led me to facing all that time, 45 years in prison, and I found myself finally on my knees looking up to the God of my salvation. And at that point, I didn't know God. I only knew what my mom taught me about him and, you know, what I experienced in the church growing up. Uh, but I remember crying out to God, and I said, God, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. And I remember when I began, I was just at that place that a memory came to my mind of a person that I robbed. I put the gun to his face. I demanded his money, and unfortunately, he resisted. So I pistol whipped him, and blood is gushing everywhere. And the dude steps back, and he looks me square in the eye. You know what he tells me? He says, may God bless you. I never forgot his words. In fact, his words began rotating relentlessly in my mind. May God bless you. May God bless you. May God bless you. And I found myself in that cell going crazy. I didn't know what to, how to process this man's words. He chose to forgive me right then and there. Instantly. Who does that? He was willing to look at me square in the eye and say, may God bless you. And that day I was blessed with an opportunity to know the God that he, um, that he spoke of. And uh, i never forget when I got off of my knees, it was the first time in my life that I felt free. And you, you, you ask, how in the world are you facing all this time, 45 years of your life in prison, and you're literally wrapped around cold steel? How is it possible to... Find freedom in that space. I learned that freedom had nothing to do with where you find yourself geographically or physically. It's an issue of the heart. It's a mindset. And the Bible talks about who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that day, I was made free. And I give glory to God for that. And I made a decision, a conscious decision at that moment that I was going to serve God with every fiber of my being. So I ended up doing, I was sentenced to 12 years. Of that 12 years, I, you know, I, I had to pay for the crime that I committed. And I deserved every bit of that sentence. And so while I was, you know, in the system, you know, I ended up doing 10 years and 8 months of that 12-year sentence. I just fell deeper and deeper in love with God, started studying his scripture, understanding his heartbeat, understanding how to know what his perfect will for my life was. And in the process, the Lord just started dealing with my heart and helping, to, helping me to see what my calling was. 
Long story short, just fast forwarding a little bit further, uh, I, I made it home finally after uh, 10 years and 8 months. And when I finally came home, I married my wife. The Lord had um, blessed me with an amazing wife. She'll be here in the second service. And she, you know, just a blessing to my life. I ended up moving from New York City, where I was born and raised, to Indianapolis. And I knew that the calling of God was on my life. And long story short, we started working in the community. When I say we, I'm referring to my wife and, and the rest of my family who are here in Indianapolis. We began doing a lot of community work, just uh, finding a parking lot and having a speaker set up and drawing families in so that we can minister the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we would do that. We would bring, you know, have all kinds of hot dogs and nachos and chips. And we have a, a blast together, you know. And so long story short, uh, one gentleman seen a, a, a lot of the work that we were doing. He said, Danny, you need to get down with Youth for Christ. And I'm like, what's Youth for Christ? I had never heard of Youth for Christ. Didn't know that Billy Graham was one of the first paid staff on Youth for Christ. And, you know, so it's been around since the 40s, you know. And so I started learning a little bit more about it. Uh, fast forwarding some more. Uh, I went in for an interview, and i never forget, I was nervous as all get out because in my mind, I don't deserve a job like this. And so I remember I walked into, uh, into the interview, and uh, my executive director who's sitting up front with me, she, she's grilling me. She's looking me square in the eye. She's trying to fill me out, and she's asking me a whole bunch of questions. And then she pulls out a rap sheet that was like from the ceiling to the floor. It was so extensive, and she's asking me questions about my past. And I'm like, you know, I, I can't answer a lot of these questions because the truth is that I was probably high out of my mind or I was probably drunk. I can't tell you a lot about my past, but I can tell you about my today. And I can tell you about where God has taken me. And I began to share a little bit of my story. At the end of that story, Allie, she says to me, Danny, we want to hire you because your story reflects the kind of change that we want to see in the hearts of young people all across this city. And I walked away from that interview like, yes, I got a job. Praise the Lord. And I felt so good about that. And so today, I get to hang out with unchurched, I repeat, unchurched teens. Kids that have never stepped foot inside of a church. Some kids, you know, they, they experience church events and those kinds of things. But they don't know Jesus personally. So I get to step into their world. And I get to love on them. I get to learn their story. And I want to, you know, just point your attention to my hat here. I know some, you know, uh, you know this logo is very intentional. I was going to say something about the hat. You know, I know some people are kind of like, why is he wearing a hat and that kind of thing? But it's very intentional because I want to draw your attention to the model of ministry that we have. It's my story, their story, and God's story. And that is reflected by the three stories, my story, their story, and God's story. So I sit down with people like Dustin, young men like Dustin, and we get to share and do life together. And as we journey alongside of each other, we get to discover what's God's plan and ultimate purpose for our life. Does that make sense? And so God, he steps into our world. He stepped into my world personally. Even when I was a mess, when I was making the, the worst decisions of my life, he was willing to step in and use a man to say, God bless you. 
Today, I get to hang out with people like Dustin and say, you know, Dustin, God has a plan for your life. And God wants to see you succeed in this world. And, you know, we, we share God with him, we, but it's a little bit more than that. We focus on civic literacy, economic literacy, basic health and safety, and educational success within the relational context. So Dustin is just one of many students that we get to hang out with on a regular basis. And I want you to, sh I want to share a little bit of his story uh, as we move on into the next part of the service, if I may. I'm from the west side of Indianapolis. Before I met Danny and learned about city life, I was crazy. I was always fighting and arguing with people. I really didn't care what people thought. It was, it's just really a do me type thing. If you got a problem with me, then I tried to settle it in the most vicious way I could think possible. Um, when I looked at my life and everything that was going around, I just blamed God for everything that was happening. How I met Danny was through City Life. One of my friends brought me, and uh, I, I asked Danny if he used to rap, and he was like, what? I still do rap. But that's how we connected, and I'm grateful that they have City Life that way, that, or I would never like have a father figure. Danny's a father figure to me. He taught me how to write a song. Um, he taught me, he taught me the gospel and the book of Psalms, which the book of Psalms was music and poetry, and he just met me where I was at. One other thing that Danny taught me was what a dad looks like, because he brought me into his family and made his family my spiritual family, and I'm truly grateful for that. Um, if I've never met Danny or heard of City Life, then I'll probably still be doing the same stuff, fighting, arguing every morning with my mom, trying not to do anything. I'll probably be skipping school, actually and not really caring what anybody has to say. Um, my future plans, I would really love to go to college. Uh, I want to pursue music, and if that doesn't work, I really want to be a salesman. Dustin is representative of so many students that we get to engage on a regular basis here across the city of Indianapolis. And I want to encourage you, if God is calling you to step into the mess, you may be wondering, but, but maybe I'm a little bit too old. I tell you what, all you need is love. You bring love to the life of a young person, family, they are, they crave it, they desire it. So if you are desire, if you feel that God is tugging on your heart and you want to partner us with us and be a part of the ministry and step into that mess, Pastor John, I encourage you to come get some more information in the back. Come talk with me, speak with my executive director. We'd be happy to share more information with you. That said, may God bless you all. Isn't that a great story? I just love the, the picture of that guy when someone hits, hits him. He's looking evil in the eye, possibly death. What comes out? 
God bless you. How's that happen? Rebirth. That's, that's supernatural, and that's what God calls us to. I also love the picture. Danny didn't say it this way today, but he, in his ministry, if he sees a drug dealer on the street corner, he's like, I'm going into that mess, that sending, that initiating, that incarnational love that God calls us to. And so that's our calling. That's our story. That's our calling. That's our mindset. And as your pastor, I just, again, I had one of those moments. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. You're doing this, so keep on. Keep on, keep on. This week, Thursday morning, as um, you were uh, going out, sharing the love of Christ, delivering meals, just a mile and a half from here in Clear Creek, a, uh, a mom saw her life as a mess, and despair was owning her, and her life was snuffed out. And our police officers who routinely step into the mess called Pastor Tyson's one of the chaplains, and Tyson was with this family in their mess on Thanksgiving morning. A husband, four young kids, now without a mom, trying to put together the pieces of a shattered family and no church. And Tyson met with them uh, Sunday, their uh, neighbor friends, Kevin and Michelle Nashke, came up and said, Tyson, we need to organize meals. Talk to Sarah Crail, and you have been stepping into their mess um, and will for the rest of December providing meals for this family. And I just thought, man, I love his church. Yes, it's cold and dark down here. Yes, it's a mess. But there's hope, and the hope is in Jesus Christ. He came into our mess that we might step into the mess with the message of the gospel and with the love of, with his love. And it's happening. Today, the family will gather in our church. They don't have a church home, but they'll gather in the fireside room for a memorial service. And we can pray for them and God will bring comfort, ultimately, the ultimate comfort of a relationship with him through Christ. Pastor Tyson will be sharing with them. But in these moments, we get to just worship our Lord as, as we come to communion for stepping into our mess, but then also um, prepare to go out into the mess for his glory. And so would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this time in your presence this morning, just to be reminded of what you've done for us. Lord, thank you for coming into our mess when we were far from you, sinners running from you. And yet you loved us, and Jesus, you came to give your life as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And as we take this bread and this cup, we remember a love that we cannot measure, a love that will follow us into eternity. We say thank you. As we take the bread, we remember that, that your body was broken for us, and we remember that you call us to take up our cross and be willing to sacrifice. And so we pray that you would energize us to step into the mess Help us to be led by your word, by your spirit, with no fear, revering you as Lord and ready to share the hope that you've given us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.